welcome back to Normies Like Us. Today we got a job to do. It's time to take down Operation Starfish while we talk the Suicide Squad on Normies Like Us. Are you in or out? I'm not joining your Suicide Squad. Harley Quinn. Bloodsport. Ah. I cherish peace with all my heart. Complete the mission, you get ten years off your sentence. We're all gonna die. I hope so. Here's the deal. We fail the mission, you die. If we find out any information you give us is false, you die. If we find out you have personalized license plates, you die. What? No. You heard it up top. Task Force Normie has been initiated. Things are about to get a little suicidal on this podcast when we talk about the superhero team of misfits, the Suicide Squad. With your house, uh, Colin Shark. Uh, okay, Captain Boomer Rang. Uh, uh, Javelin Joe. Nice. <laughs> uh, Har- Harley Jacob. Ooh, <laughs> the I did not okay, think about that. that, that Killer Cobb? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's not in this movie, though. Good <laughs> My goal is to put as, as little thought as, into these names as I can. Yeah. Well, well at least in this success. version of... Yeah, yeah. At least I was going to say in this version of the Suicide Squad, at least they put more thought than they did in the original version of this. But anyway, can I throw one out? The Polka Cobb mm-hmm. Man. Ooh, Ooh. Sure. <laughs> Jacob, remember the that Operation for the Star end. Mike. <laughs> yeah, I will. I'll oh, well. write it down now. <laughs> yeah, because half of these characters that we've just named probably won't even survive to the end of this <gasps> podcast. So That's right. it's going to be quite interesting to see who makes it to the end. Yeah. That's right, Mike. Because but, uh, we are talking about the new. HBO Max movie, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. We're going to be talking, is it part of the DCEU? Did you like it? What do you know about The Suicide Squad? All that good stuff. But, um, you know, I'll just ask you guys up top. Uh, Did you think there were going to be some real deaths in this? And were you kind of satisfied? Hmm. Well, as someone who never saw the 2016, I heard Ooh, it was bad, didn't amazing. watch it. So I, I don't know where that really fell on the expendability of the characters, but I was pleased by this, let's say, with how vulnerable it felt like any one of the cast uh, totally. was at any given time. Totally. That's one of the things I really liked about this movie was like, it really felt like anyone could die at any moment. Like, other than I think Harley Quinn, because I don't think they would kill her, but uh, right. Anyone else, even like Idris Elba, anyone just felt like, you know, you never know who's going to die. Yeah. I like that element of surprise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and there were two or three ones that I think were pretty bold choices. So, yeah, I'm happy with yeah, it. Yeah, we'll get into it. I would agree with that, Joe. You're kind of our comic book guy. Would it be a coup to blow up Harley Quinn's brains? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like with what they're doing now, I kind of feel like you could get away with anything, right? Like... Does the DCEU even exist? Is that like, does that fit in? Is the Henry Cavill Superman the Superman that Bloodsport shot? And if so, mm-hmm. like, I guess you wouldn't want to kill Harley. But if this is just a random Harley, I feel like you could do anything. Well, the question is like, yeah. you know, if they want to make more movies with Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. But I guess even then, you could kill her and then have it be a prequel or do whatever. Like, it wouldn't really matter that much. Yeah, you know, well, this it's comic books, just yeah, new universe. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, the <laughs> best thing about the, the DC movies is like nothing really matters that much. <laughs> like you, you, you know, know, there is no like established universe you've been following for 
X amount of years with these movies. They just kind of exist. Like, yeah. Congruently. Yeah. And, and I guess after watching, you know, we just did Loki, you know, Falcon and the Captain Falcon soldier, <laughs> WandaVision, <laughs> like the Marvel world where everything is connected. It's like, I, I'm kind of okay now just being able to jump into whatever random movie and it just sort of exists in a bubble. I, I'm kind of into it. And, and so beyond this that, again was Mike, perfect. I might even say a specific, I mean, we, we do episodes in the past of, you know, hero episodes who are, who are the people behind the things, right? Legends episodes. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a James Gunn episode. Yeah. Somewhat. You know, we've talked, you know, the big directors of the DC verse, Zack Snyder, right? And then we got James Gunn of Guardians fame on Marvel side coming wow. over to DC to, right. to uh, work some of that magic with another group of characters no one's ever heard of. Uh, so does he succeed or does he fail? Right? I guess that's what we'll find out. Coming up next, unless our heads explode. Please, let us survive. We're back. Somehow, the four of us have survived to this point, but we'll see <laughs> if we'll make it the whole way, because we're talking Suicide Squad here on Normies Like Us. Uh, and we are talking a band of misfits, of course. A little history for our non-comic fans. Now, the Suicide Squad was one of those Golden Glory World War II comics. Brave and the Bold with DC. They did a team of war spies who would take on the missions nobody could, okay? In that context, Suicide Squad meant a little more like Mission Impossible, right? It was, it was sort of more of an analog to that. Mm. Now, it's rebooted in the 80s by this guy named John Ostrander, huge comic book legend. Interesting thing about the guy, he doesn't create a lot of characters. Pretty much the only one he did was Amanda Waller, okay? Mm. But he is a fucking fantastic writer, and he's kind of known for adding a lot of interesting character stuff to a lot of characters. He looks at the concept of the Suicide Squad, the World War II one, and says, we have all these weird background characters. All these, you know, Batman villains who at the end of the day, at the end of the comic book issue, Batman just puts in jail. What the fuck happens to those motherfuckers? (laughs) And he comes up with the Suicide Squad. Joe, do you read Suicide Squad comic books? Uh, I've read two or three different runs. So when they started uh, Rebirth, I read a little bit of that. And then I had read um, some of like the Gail Simone stuff back in the day. But uh, not not usually on my poll list, no. No, and definitely not for me either. I don't know about you guys as well. But uh, this, you know, again, it's just C-listers and D-listers. And it was DC characters. And it was at a time where we're not talking Harley Quinn was on this team. We're talking... Javelin, who we know from this movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, the famous Javelin. Maybe one of the most important characters in the, the new movie. Yeah, I'd never heard of this group, you know, before the 2016 movie with Will Smith. Again, didn't see it. Um, but I like the idea of taking these D-list characters and throwing them into crazy situations. Uh, and like I said, it creates unpredictability. But um, did you guys see the 2016 one um, at all? Was it good, bad? Joe, did you see this? Yeah, no, this was a an interesting one because Colin and I were on the fence about seeing it. 
And then the closer it got, we were like, all right, well, let's go see it. I'll, I'll go pick up tickets after work. Sold out. It was sold out everywhere. It took us wow. three days to actually see the movie. Um, and this was like, you know, like the Tuesday and it opened on the Thursday, right? And they were, tickets were totally. already sold out. Like, I was shocked by that. Wow. Um, yeah, we did see it and it is awful. <laughs> I mean, you say shocked. I say Will Smith movie. I say I'm surprised Mike hasn't seen it. But Jacob, come on. How can you not love a Willie Fresh movie? Right. Well, I'll say this. You know, Suicide Squad, I'm a big fan of the idea of it. You know, when the movie was announced, I was very excited to see it. I've even seen the animated. There's two animated movies, uh, DC Suicide Squad mm. movie. Uh, one is Suicide Squad Hell to Pay, which is from the newer uh, uh, universe, extended animated universe that they've done. Um, and I really like the idea because, you know, DC obviously known for their villains. So, yeah, you have all these Batman villains, you have all these different villains. Why not put them together in a team? They get into all kinds of antics. Um, so I think, you know, DC should have been capitalizing on this more and made like way more Suicide Squad movies with like a rotating cast of you know, characters, anyone can die at any moment. You would think that would be a huge, like a hugely successful idea. But unfortunately, the, you know, the first movie they made uh, was not very good, right? So what are um, you talking about? This introduced <laughs> us to Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. That Someone, is you know, Mike just couldn't even keep up it. with him, yeah. Birds of Prey. How, how could you possibly yeah. even understand someone like Harley Quinn? She's so random and crazy, Mike. So right. Kooky. Well, that's the, the, the one unambiguously good thing that that movie had going for it was that it created the Margot Robbie Harley Quinn, which is probably the most successful thing of the DC uh, extended universe movie universe. Would you say? I would say after seeing this in birds of prey, besides the sandwich that I liked a lot. Yeah. She's like a really great DC character on that side. Like her and, and Aquaman, you know, we got to hold yeah. on our boy and but. wonder woman maybe, but it's like, she's I even think, outlasted Harley you know, Quinn ben Affleck. on a level above wonder woman. And as far yeah. as the way the character Joe, is portrayed in the performance, sure. I'll ask you, but in the comics, don't you think at this point, Harley Quinn's a more popular character than Superman and getting pretty close to Batman or then the Joker. Uh, yeah. I mean, she's up there in the comics right now. She is trying to redeem her herself and rolling with the heroes like she has kind of de facto been rolled into the batman family uh in the last wow. couple of years which is Interesting. crazy to say and of course I mean, there's, there's the be, uh, uh people who think of her more as an anti-hero or hero than uh than a villain right. at all i think and she's got her own animated show which we all like or that yeah, really awesome. very much like so it. All right, yeah. let's yeah. get this damage tattoo off of our forehead. We'll just yeah, we'll wipe it away. Yeah, they a Joker. How are you going <laughs> to ignore that? Anyway. No, we got to leave him. We got to get we're out of leaving here. Him. Yeah. We're leaving that Suicide Squad behind because let's talk about a little more history of film to get up to this point. That film mm -hmm. comes out extremely popular. $750 million grosser worldwide. That's big. Yeah. You're going to make a sequel to that movie. But David Iyer, the director of that, goes on to have some continuous non-hits. We've got Bright, which they're going to make a sequel of, not well critically uh, acclaimed. They and really um, The Tax Collector just came out with Shia. I think it's his lowest grossing, lowest uh, scored film of all time. Yeah. Wasn't going to be an option. Now, on the other side of the pond, as Jacob pointed out, Marvel has nothing like this. They have no collection of bad guys that they would put into a movie. They haven't attempted that in the comics. 
Thunderbolts are never going to be that big. They're going to try it right now. We all agree on that. If you go back and listen to our Black Widow episode, we're all kind of hinting that maybe that's where things are going. It's not going to be as big as the Suicide Squad. Because the gimmick isn't there. The characters aren't there. And we're never going to get this ability to hit an R-rated bomb out of the park. Now, David Ayers was not that. And he obviously wanted it to. We know there's a ton of Ayer cut stuff. Jesus Christ, just just push that out of a window. I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> Normies, look that up if you don't know what that is. Well, But something happened. Over at Marvel, inappropriate stuff, got James Gunn the closest parallel to a Suicide Squad in that he makes a movie of an ensemble of misfit weirdos, gets let go at Disney because he did some inappropriate jokes on Twitter that got dug up. Mm -hmm. This creates an opening where producers Peter Safran and Charles Roven over at WB say whatever he wants. Toby Emmerich says whatever he wants. Give him the blank check. And that's the motherfucking movie we're going to talk about today. You know, there's so much more to it. You know, him jumping ships. Was he going to stay at DC? Getting rehired at Marvel? Seeing Suicide Squad all the way through? Kevin Feige coming to set? Seeing things like that? Look it all up. Amazing story. But we're going to talk about this motherfucking movie that he got to make. Well, I just want to say about David Ayer because you're right. He didn't get to make the R-rated movie that this is. And who knows that if, if, you know, I'm not saying I want the Ayer cut, but I'm saying his original vision was probably better than the movie that we got. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's a shame because obviously that movie was terrible, but it was, it had all the signs of being, you know, cut to pieces by uh you know the studio afterwards so it's just like absolutely is you know even though this movie is better i just think you know david ayer got a raw deal from from that for sure david ayer is an r-rated director who deserves to make r-rated movies he did not get that opportunity okay now someone else who's very good at making r-rated movies james gunn let me tell you guys this movie suicide squad is so much more like slither than it is Guardians of the Galaxy. So let's start mm-hmm. there. Do you guys like James Gunn as a filmmaker? Are you familiar with his work outside of comic book stuff? Well, um, yes, I do like his older you stuff. Like PG porn. <laughs> <laughs> you, you like PG porn. You like his web series uh, for Xbox Live with porn stars called PG porn. I Jacob. haven't seen Admit that it right now. <laughs> um, but I do like his, his kind of grindhouse stuff, like Slither, you mentioned, like his trauma early stuff. Um, I felt like this movie was kind of a combination of, because it's definitely got the Guardians of the Galaxy team feel to it, uh, but it also has the, the gore and the hard R uh, that Guardians does not have, right? I mean, beyond the, uh, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy teamwork, go further into his roots, it's got the Scooby-Doo teamwork. I mean, that's really <laughs> what is coming uh, right. oh my in Suicide Squad for me, so... Yeah, I'm a big fan of James Gunn. I think he's one of my favorite people hanging out in Hollywood, to be honest. Like, just dig his vibe, and uh, he always seems to be having fun with what he's doing. Yeah, And we should say, uh, also, the reason he got fired from Marvel was basically a troll campaign to get him fired. Like, it wasn't just like someone was like, found his old tweets and got offended. Like, it was deliberate uh, because of, you know, this whole right-left culture war or whatever that, uh, you know... That's Twitter for you. But uh, it was a big mistake by, by Marvel to let him go in the first place, and they realized that and rehired him and, 
And thankfully they did. And now he's, he's getting paychecks from, uh, from both companies, right? That's right. Yeah. More than happy. Yeah. And, you know, having come from that trauma background, he, he's, he's, he's a bit edgy, you know, and this is kind of combining a lot of that stuff. Joe said Scooby-Doo. It's got a little bit of irreverent humor and it's got that ragtag group of guardians, but he's a little bit off leash here. And then, you know, <sighs> it's, it's a lot of fun. Joe, it's got Toxic Avenger in it. There's a scene in the movie where Toxic Avenger plays. This is a guy who, I, I mean, Mike, classic, you're going to give yep. us the plot in a second. I feel like we should run through it for any normie Briefly. who doesn't know it. But I'm just going to put my cards on the table and say, I motherfucking love this movie. And I love James Gunn in particular getting to make a love letter to things he loves. Yeah, I agree 100%. I guess, so we can just roll into it, largely the plot, it's... You could summarize it in two sentences. There's a group of misfit superhero villains called the Suicide Squad who have to go on a suicide mission to stop what is essentially known as Operation Starfish. And that's all we need to know. And we could just jump right into it and how this all kind of executes. Because even from kind of the first 15 minutes of the movie, it's a big old switcheroo. Uh, so that's yeah. always fun. Um, what do I, you think um, about this? Yeah, you know, Colin, you laid your cards on the table. I'll go next. I liked it. Um... It took me two views to realize how much I liked it, though. I was a little, like, taken out of it. Uh, Mike, you said the first 15 minutes. To me, it peaks in the first 15 minutes. Like, I would mm. watch the first 15 minutes on replay over and over again. But, uh, Hell yeah. you know, the longer it goes, maybe the less interested I am. But uh did enjoy it. Gotcha. Okay, well, it's, it's two hours, 12 minutes. So I have heard people say that maybe... 20 minutes less or so might fix the pacing and stuff. I, I, I liked it a lot. So I'm going to be so annoying this guys. I'm so sorry. No. I'm going to be so annoying. <laughs> but I, I'll set up. I'll set up. I want to hear your guys. Um, I liked it a lot, too. I'm just I'm just um, validating your experience, Joe. Uh, yeah. Jacob, oh, now, you. please, would you like to share with the groove? Yes. Uh, I liked it. I didn't love it maybe as much as Colin, but uh, I appreciated it. And I think, you know, it did kind of peak early on. I felt... Uh, the biggest problem I had was that parts of it felt very disjointed, like the Harley Quinn story where she's kind of separate from the main cast for a lot of the movie. It kind mm. of felt like, you know, she got like her own subplot in the middle of the movie, but it felt very disjointed in the pacing of the movie. Well, my biggest problem is that, um, was it Pete Davidson didn't die soon enough? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I did like long. the, you know, if we're going all, you know, full spoilers, spoilers right? That's the full first spoilers. one. Yeah. Spoiler he warning. doesn't make it. Um, I like the fake out in the beginning, but I kind of knew about it going in. There's, there's a lot of speculation when the trailers came out online that I was doing a lot of reading about and people are like, Oh, if you see these characters are only with these characters, these characters. So the theory was that there was going to be a first group that all dies. And then the second group is the real group. And that's exactly what we got. Right. Right. But I, I do appreciate it. Cause I, I, I could see it after rewatching the trailers, after watching the film, like, yeah, it's pretty, obvious after you know who survives and who doesn't but i think it does deliver on the premise of the suicide squad right away and kind of sets you up for for the expectation i think that was really good follow-up yeah. question though did we all watch this streaming or did anyone go to the theater mike i'm so glad you asked that i wanted to talk about my streaming experience i watched mm. this at seven thursday night right when it dropped so eager yeah, to yeah. get home from work now normies who don't live in california like the four of us it's been triple digits every day for for <laughs> two weeks now, okay? I'm turning it on. I'm so fucking into it. I'm so excited. I have my AC unit directly above my head, humming so loud. 
This is a war movie. I'm riding the volume button. I'm going up and down. I'm pausing it. I'm making decisions whether or not I want that thing on and off, on and off. Finally, I pause it right at a scene. I get up. I decide to turn it off. I sit back down. It is the dick of the uh, the revolutionary guy who gets killed in the camp. Just completely standing up. His little dick paused perfectly on it. Didn't even realize it. I was so sure. excited. Nice but it's Easter a movie idea. I wish I saw in theaters. You know, it is circumstantial, I think. Yeah, and so is that unanimous? Everyone watched this on streaming? Joe, Jacob? Yeah, I, I yeah. watched yeah. it twice at home. Yeah, I had a I good experience. On, yeah, I watched it at home as well. And I'll have a little rant about the, the box office, you know, the disappointing numbers yeah, later we'll get on. There, but, but I, I definitely feel like they wish they could get the, the David Ayer, Will Smith monies <laughs> nowadays. Uh, like, it's hard to crack even $100 million now yeah, for, for any right. film yeah. right now. So, it's not tough fair. sledding. Um, but yeah, Suicide Squad, the beginning, the old switcheroo, the first group is basically a decoy to allow right. the second group to actually infiltrate and finish the mission. And the only survivors is uh, Rick Flagg and um, Harley right. Quinn from the first group. And Which is, I'll say you this. know, it's, uh, that, that's a super bold decision to kill Captain Boomerang right there. Like he was yes. one of four returning people from the original. So mm-hmm. killing him right away right. I think, set the tone different. So. And what well, this a, feels like, too, oh, really yeah. quickly, is is that scene in uh, Deadpool 2 where he's getting the team together, the, the X-Force, X-Force or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. and then immediately and then they, they it's like die. an extended bit of that. <laughs> right. Uh, which no, I was going to say uh, exactly what Joe is saying. Um, the the decision to put Harley and Rick Flagg and, and, and Captain Boomerang in that first group really sells the switcheroo because they're like, you're like, oh, they're not going to kill, mm. you know, those characters. Because, Mike, if you don't know, Captain Boomerang obviously was in the first one that you didn't see. Right. Um, and when they actually killed Captain Boomerang, spoiler alert, I was like, what? Because, you know, Jai Courtney and my favorite actors. So, <laughs> no, not really. But I Jai. did like that character. And to yes, see, you know, obviously a big face. Flash villain. And you see so many people online saying, justice for Boomer. It's so unfair. We've got this Flash movie coming out. He deserves to be a villain to Ezra Miller. Couldn't care less. Jai Courtney, a guy who you almost, it's almost written in every human being's DNA to pray to whatever God they have at night to wipe Jai Courtney out of existence. He's so plain and boring and useless. Well, now, Colin, I would agree with you mostly, but except for this character, which I think uh, he does do a good job as Captain. Not even in the first one. (laughs) Now he's becoming <laughs> a character. You're actor. wrong. <laughs> he's he's jumping in. He's doing a lot of weird bits now. Now that right. Hollywood isn't like he's John McClane Jr. He's he's oh. Michael Reese from Terminator. Right, no, no, right. no. Get that out of here. Okay. It's almost the same thing they did to the guy who plays Rick Flagg. No, no, no. Get these white guys out of here. Now, someone who I think has a very close career to his and is teetering on: Am I going to be a leading man or am I going to be a character actor? is Idris Elba, who, if you oh, look man, at his yeah. movie career, guys, none of them are hits. Hobbs and Shaw, not a hit, okay? The Losers, not a hit. His mm. Netflix DJ show, canceled after one season? Netflix doesn't cancel anything. That means negative viewers saw that show, okay, somehow. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. He's such a good about. actor. He makes it work in this movie. Yeah, yeah I mean, so. yeah, I think, you know, he should be a leading man, and I think he's a great actor. He's been around a long time. Uh, you know, obviously he was in The Wire, Stringer Bell, and he was great in that. So, 
it's just weird that, yeah, he can't seem to, he doesn't have the star Dark power, tower. maybe. Jacob, Dark Tower. Yeah. He survives these huge bombs that you just go right. like, why? How? And it's because he's a very talented lead actor. And there was a he's lot so of, cool. again, buzz behind the scenes of, is he Deadshot? Is he replacing Will Smith? Is, is, mm-hmm. is Idris Elba Deadshot? No, I mean, he basically no, no, no. Is. Relax. He basically is. <laughs> he's Bloodshot, yeah. yeah. Before, I, I want to talk more on Idris Elba, but I want to look yeah. at this first squad and see if do we have any standouts of the those who didn't make it. We have Mongal, TDK, the detachable kid, Nathan Fillion, right? Like, right. Javelin, right? Are any of these guys good? Weasel, Weasel. makes his appearance yeah. here. Right? Weasel. Everyone loves Weasel. See, when they first announced all these characters before this movie came out, I was like, obviously, a lot of these are going to die. You know, Nathan Fillion, I knew that's just going to be basically be a cameo. He was also in Slither. The um, king. You know, Sean yeah. Gunn, James Gunn's brother, as the voice of Weasel, and he's also Calendar Man in a small cameo. Uh, <laughs> um yeah, I, I think they're, and even Pete Davidson, I don't know what his character was supposed to be, but... Blackguard. Blackguard, Blackguard yeah. My favorite. I, I loved that for that first group. I would have watched an hour and a half of those people just, like, dicking around. Like, I hope they release some sort of short that is just 15 minutes of those characters interacting more. Like, I'm that was my favorite yeah. part of the movie. Yeah. How goofy-looking Javelin Yo, suit was. was. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. Um, but that Mike, leads did, us... Okay, go ahead. Well, yeah, I was going to say, did you like Michael dog? Rooker? Oh, yeah, Michael yeah, Rooker. Yeah, yeah Michael there. Rooker, another James Gunn regular. Um, yeah. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy alum, Michael Rooker coming out, yeah. uh, doing, doing a little bit. So, yeah, I, that I love leads... them all. Like, I, the only thing I kept thinking during the entire movie, though, like to bring it back to 2016, what would mm. it be like if he got to use some of the bigger characters who, like we're in that one. You know what I mean? Like would have been nice to see his take on like killer croc or, or, you know, Deadshot and Bloodsport are the same character, but getting that interaction right. with the Batman by James Gunn, I would have been super. Into right. That. Yeah. I, I could see that, but we do get weird, uh, not killer croc, but we do get, you know, let's transition to the main team. King shark. We get introduced to our whole squad, Rat Catcher 2. Like we said, Bloodshot, not Deadshot. Blood uh, Sport. Maker, John Blood Cena. Sport, Mike. Blood Sport. See, come on. You need a reference <laughs> to the Dim Mock, He's basically Deadshot because that's right. Blood Sport, I don't think he's in the comic. He's in the comics, but he's not a major character at all. He's just a name, basically, that they're like, you're going to be Blood Sport. And doesn't he have a similar connection with like his daughter being leveraged to get yes. him on the Essentially, suit? Essentially, like, the same that thing, back. Yeah. He's basically okay. British Deadshot <laughs> yeah. in this movie. And, right. And then John like Cena's that. Peacemaker, Ratcatcher 2, King Shark, Polka Dot Man. Is there anyone I'm missing uh, from Rick Flag, Squad 2.0? Obviously. Rick Flag eventually joins in. Oh, Milton. Milton of yeah, course. Milton. Milton. We love Milton. The, the Freedom Fighters. Yeah. So that's like the second squad goes in. Edris Elba's leading them. And um, yeah, what do we think of these characters? Do we have a favorite Suicide Squad member, everybody? Colin, throw it to you. Uh, it's so hard. Truly watching them, and again, it is the strength of this, where, you know, so many comic book fans go, why can't there just be a standalone Justice League film? So what if it's an ensemble? You should just be able to write them all out. Everyone in the second squad has such a fulfilling character arc, you know, a whole storyline that they go through. You know, am I crying my eyes out at the end when Ratcatcher 2 lifts up the light? Absolutely. I've seen this movie six times, and I watched that moment specifically <laughs> wow. over and over, losing my mind. 
But I got to give a shout out to John Future. motherfucking Cena, who is wow. so good it's the at summer of Cena. in the background. It's the, the say, it's Cena, the summer friend. of Cena. Wow, um, The Rock would wish as he could disagree, but he cannot. <laughs> the Rock is not doing as well as John Cena this summer. I don't well. think. I mean, you got Jungle Cruise. Uh, but no, the dynamic, the group dynamic of this is so good. And again, to compare it to the 2016 version, is just like not even close. Like 2016, the only characters that were good at all were Harley and, you know, Deadshot, maybe Boomer. Uh, Boomer but like King Croc or uh, fucking, you know, Killer Croc, not good. Inferno or whatever, not good. So that you have all these <laughs> characters. Diablo. Racist. Both um, of them racist. <laughs> yeah. David yeah. Ayer. I mean, David Ayer, he likes his, you know. But overall, this group is just <laughs> such, such a cohesive uh, group. And obviously, you know, it's, the, again, the Guardians influence, the Scooby-Doo influence. But James Gunn just nails it, you know. Mm. And I got to shout out King Shark. Uh, thought he was great. You know, I love him in the Another, Harley Quinn uh, animated show. Guardians but, of the Galaxy, right? Sly Stallone. Yeah. yeah. That's right. That's right. King Shark's fun. Joe, how about you? Over Any standout? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll just say Bloodsport then, right? We're just going to go through the whole team. Um, <laughs> Do it. Yeah. His, I'll pick a different one. <laughs> his weapons were cool. You know, I, I liked the way that all went. Um, Idris Elba and John Cena played off each other like beautifully, too. Brilliant. They have that rivalry, right? Yeah, totally. And John I Cena's shoot. character, I mean... It's hard to do because he was comedic at times, but then also, also he has the sort of villainous turn, right? So he's doing some kind of background work with yeah. the eyes. It's absolutely insane. Oh, yeah. The things he's observing, you don't even realize till like the second or third time you see the movie. It's just and wild. I liked yeah, him and in there's, you know, Fast and Furious, but he's w- much better in this than, than Fast and Furious. He's got a real character. Here. He's got something to <laughs> yeah. do. Yeah. I mean, even the way they're introduced, I think, is really funny because it's like a meta comment on the movie where, you know, blood sports backstory is told and then we meet peacemaker right. and he's like are you having a laugh what? like you literally just said he does the exact <laughs> like the same, same thing, thing i did been. and we're like yeah, uh, you know blood sports just a dead shot replacement it's like <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you right. literally just said he does exactly the same thing as me so. yeah yeah that's good and and on you know its face you have john cena doing like you saw in the trailer the whole i i need a entire beach full of dicks or whatever to save freedom so they'll say this ridiculous stuff but then to be able to turn that corner and bring the amount of menace he does later, yes. it's quite interesting. And, um, um, you know, his character is basically, you know, it's a little political. Uh, he's basically a comment on, um, you know, American, uh, you know, colonialism being like, you know, I'll kill as many men, women and children as I can to protect freedom. You know, that kind freedom. of freedom. Let me, let me tell you a little secret. This whole movie is motherfucking political. This no. is the most anti-conservative, conservative-looking film ever made. But I'll, I don't want to do wow. that yet. That might Mike, I got to hear who your favorite characters are. Well, I mean, I got to give a shout out to, you know, we said the relationship between John Cena and Blood Sport is very good. I also really like um, Ratcatcher 2 and, and Blood Sport because they have a very sweet kind of arc throughout this. And, you know, fear of rats and yes, the, the even the theme father, of Ratcatcher, you know, get Taika Waititi, just, hey, I'm from Marvel. Let me come hang out as the father, yeah. Ratcatcher 1. And the idea that, oh, if rats can have a purpose, then everyone can. And that kind of 
is the, the suicide squad. That's kind of the family note, the underlying, totally. you know, narrative. It's like, Ratcatcher 2 is the heart of the team. Yes. Would you say? And I didn't knew nothing about this character. And I, I think uh, she did a fantastic job. Um, yes. So yeah, the whole squad so far is good. And, um, Absolutely. Actress Daniela Melchior, Portuguese. Um, this is her breakout. She's truly 24 years old. A lot of wow. TV work before this. But honestly, being made into a star before our eyes. Uh, yeah. I would say the same to David Das Malkin as Polka Dot Man, a veteran character actor we've seen all the yes. way back in The Dark Knight, Dark Knight. Who, who's coming forward. That's here. true. This yeah. is, Polka Dot Man was look, crazy good. I said the thing about Idris Elba. Mm-hmm. He can't really lead a movie. Okay, It's a gamble to put him on that. And the other people you're surrounding your cast with are Margot Robbie's third at bat with Harley Quinn coming off of a movie that grossed very little. Yeah. Okay. Rick Flagg. Okay. You're bringing Joel Kinnaman back from the first one. Doesn't make sense. And then you're populating it with a newcomer Portuguese actress, Sly Stallone, who is kind of the only thing you can do with him because you can't have Sly act anymore. He's not a person. He is just a voice of a shark, probably. Yeah, he's Groot here. Yeah, he's been half a day. But it's... It's genius. It's genius of, of uh, James Gunn to say and David Desmalkin, a character actor. We'll throw you in there, too. Totally. And it's going to be so anchored by the plot, so much by everything else. I don't have to worry about using A-list stars. It doesn't mean anything to me. I don't, I don't need to get anybody in there. This is, this is populated with people who are going to do perfect work with my material. Same. Yeah, I would say John Cena was the biggest name in this, other than Margot Robbie. But uh, and that's a gamble, Jacob. You know, it, yeah. John Cena is for as positive he is as a movie star, still getting over that hump that Dwayne the Rock Johnson had to get over for ten years, basically, before he became just what we know now. Yeah, basically, right. nobody in this film is a proven box office draw. Like you know, no. Colin's saying no. they've all struggled with it, and. Um, I think what was done here, even Chris Pratt and Guardians wasn't like a household name. And neither was, you know, a lot of the cast for that movie. So James Gunn, again, is elevating these Batista, things. Batista. Yeah. Batista, again, just trying here. to get his foot in the door. That really did a lot for him. Um, <laughs> another character, like once eventually, though, I guess we'll talk about this scene to get our group together. They got to go save Rick Flag. He's been captured by the enemy. What do we think about this? Uh, another switcheroo, shall we? Well, and Mike, you know, I, I, I had said this to you off pod. Now, everybody keeps saying about this movie, it's the Dirty Dozen. Yes, on the surface That's level, it is very much like a movie about prisoners doing a dangerous mission. Yeah. But come on, Mike, there is so much Rambo 2 in this. Oh, and yeah. so much Predator. The DNA of Predator going into a foreign country, Corto Maltese. In Predator, it's called Valverde. Special Forces, you know, Arnold mm-hmm. Schwarzenegger, Jesse the Body Ventura, a former wrestler, and Carl Weathers, huge muscled monsters who are basically all characters like Peacemaker and Bloodsport. Oh, yeah. Right. the same kind of pissing contest. Dylan, they got you pushing too many pencils over at the CIA? Ha ha ha. Dylan, you son of a bitch. They do an I mean, arm that, wrestling that match in midair. This movie, yeah. and then they arm wrestle Mike. Come on, that is the DNA of the influences that James Gunn goes, oh my God, you're going to give me $400 million to remake a movie I basically love and just put everything I love inside of it and just, you know, have full custody of your entire stupid supervillain universe 
Gimme, gimme, right. gimme, gimme, gimme. I'm going to put it's Sylvester genius. Stallone back in a jungle killing rebels. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Mike. Yeah. Yes. It should it end Rambo. like uh, a Rambo 3 and say, to the proud people of the Taliban, we oh, support no. you. <laughs> yeah. That, well, well, um, like James Gunn's tweets, that one didn't age well either. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, uh, I think it nails the tone of the Suicide Squad. Like the animated movies, uh, it nails that tone where like, you know, anyone can die the the dynamics between the characters like the 2016 version i didn't feel like any of those characters were going to die at any moment like uh and i just didn't care about most of them and now it's just like you you you're invested in these characters and i was kind of on the edge of my seat i didn't know what was going to happen next and that you know doesn't happen very often in these kind of movies so i have to give it credit for that yep yep for sure um and like in that playing with your expectations of who's going to live, who's going to die. Then when we have the traditional Rambo scene of going into the village and taking out the opposing troops, yes. switcheroo, Rick flags <laughs> fine. He's just uh, hanging out. And those were the good guys. So good. It, it's, very funny. Man, very dark. Very, very dark. But the comedy, yeah. let's, do, were there moments where you guys laughed out loud? Because obviously when, when David Desmalkin says, I pictured they were all my mother in my head and killed them is... <laughs> outrageously laugh out loud and the fact that yeah. prior to that mike you're talking about the switcheroo scene there's a moment where peacemaker just gets a sword out that we've never seen him have before and just starts hacking people right. jacob you brought it's it up he axe. gets that little hatchet and just hatchets that guy in the stomach yeah. for like five times in a row and it's so what i funny. like about it is that so you kind of see little glimpses of like these people that they're killing like being good people like escalating like you see someone just washing dishes and like whistling and and just them just slaughtering everyone and that's again where the the R rating comes in because this obviously that wouldn't have worked with the PG-13 rating but yes. it's so over the top that the the reveal is, is better I think. Yeah, as John Cena and Edris Elba one-upping each other basically on who can, you know, kill the coolest way and these innocent right. people are left and in the wing. Yeah, and Amanda Waller was the one who basically got them to do it and they can really make Amanda Waller like the actual villain of this whole movie like True. she's just super evil true we should talk about her for sure i just want to bring up one moment real quick i want to ask you guys about a very specific writing style that james gunn does mm. just because you brought it up now in that exchange of killing each other the coolest person who does it you know is the victor john cena gives the speech you know people don't like a show off unless what they're showing off is dope as fuck <laughs> idris elba right. turns like, and goes damn he's right that's true <laughs> fuck yeah that is an extra beat on top of a joke that's exactly what james gunn loves to do later clea Cazzo, we'll talk about amanda waller now who's talking to her says what is that over there it's an overhead projector what do you use it for we don't really why don't you throw it away next question these are moments now when you're writing a screenplay very specific things have to happen constantly. You're just moving like a clock on a wheel. Everybody's seen the Dan Harmon story circle. You know, we're, we're acolytes of, of telling it that way, too. Editors in big Hollywood movies would go, this does nothing. This, this, this does nothing. Let's just get this out of here. Let's move on. Mm -hmm. You can feel in this movie James Gunn going, but it makes me laugh. That's the only thing that matters. This whole movie's just for me. And it just radiates through. That's what I really love about it. Yeah, yeah, he, that's almost like a, his mission statement. No one cares if you're showing off unless what you're showing off is dope as fuck. And I think in that moment, Zack Snyder probably was like, yes, bro, like <laughs> nodding along. Yeah. But here's the thing. Here's what separates them, Mike. Zack Snyder is someone who would say, wasn't that cool what I did? Didn't you think that was cool? 
James Gunn is someone who just says, that made me fucking laugh my ass off. Look mm-hmm. what I did there. That was so funny. It's like the jackass guys. Who fucking right. cares? Yeah. Yeah, and Zack Snyder can't really write comedy either, I don't think. No. But. Yeah, but this, it's... It, when it was funny, I thought it was it was pretty funny. And it, then also when it needed heart, it had that, right? It is dark. Uh, and maybe some people won't like that. Like, oh, we killed a village of innocent people. <laughs> That's the setup for the punchline, literally. Right. Um, but, it, but it's the setup to the theme of the movie. I hate to say it these again. These are bad but guys. In the whole way right. that we were exploring in Black Widow, what is this movie about when they sat down to put it on the page? Fucking... James Gunn knows. This is a special forces movie. And when America does things like that, they're wrong. Everything America touches is bad. And watch me explain that to you over the course of two hours and 12 minutes. And by the end, that really comes full circle. Yeah, the whole twist of this movie, right, is that they're not just there to kill the giant monster. They're there to cover up the U.S.'s involvement in the experiments that led to that giant monster, right? So that's very on the nose, like, um, you know, political commentary there, right? Absolutely. Which is a great explanation as to why the Justice League isn't dealing with this without saying the Justice League isn't dealing with this. Because, like, obviously Amanda Waller and the government wouldn't want the Justice League to know, but they're okay with the Suicide Squad knowing. Yeah, they're there to do the dirty work that no one, if it goes right, no one will hear about it, right? And we can always blow their heads up even if they succeed, right? It's a win-win. Yeah, and so... Having them kind of do something, it's revealed that it was like, oh, innocent people. Like, that's kind of reinforcing that the government's sending you to do shit that's not good. Right. <laughs> and that they, and by they the kind end, of, they kind of realize. Yeah. And again, compared to the first one, they tried to do something similar there, but it was very muddled and confusing. And then the, the twist of that was that they were there to rescue Amanda Waller from a building. And then she kills, like, all her whole staff. She yeah. shoots them. It's okay. like, what? what's going on? She's so venomous. Let's do it. Let's talk yeah. about the wall. Let's let's <laughs> jump in here and talk Amanda Waller, the real villain of the Suicide Squad. That's right. How to get away with murder of many <laughs> supervillains. Nice. Um, thank you. Yeah. That's where I was first introduced to, to her as an actress. And she sure. crushes it in that because she's so cold-blooded. And it's like equally cold-blooded in this. Like... Amanda yeah. Waller is vicious. That's a mean again, lady, I another, think Will Smith said. Yeah, another returning actress from the first one, but she's better in this one, just like all the other returning characters, um, because her her role is more defined. Like, in the last one, she's, like, evil, but it's not really clear what why. Like, she puts this team together to, to later rescue her from the Enchantress or whatever, and she's just evil for the sake of being evil. This one, you know, there's a lot more to it, right? Yeah, it's kind of cleaning up the government's, you know, dirty dishes, right? Trying to clean up the mess. That's right. And then um, they do do a rescue of Harley, I guess, to get the rest of the team together. They didn't need to be rescued. What do we think of the Harley scene? Jacob, you mentioned that it's a little disjointed. Yeah, it's kind a little, of on her own little off for you. I didn't dislike it by itself. It just seemed like, all right, we're going to cut away from this movie to just have the Harley solo stuff for a while. And then later, you know, cut back. It just felt a little disjointed. And that might be some of the pacing, where the pacing issues come from. It is it up. good comic book writing, Jacob, to take a character that you know is too big for the ensemble or your story and just to go, okay, let me just move you over here? That could be. I do like when they eventually get together and then there's that whole bit with Milton where they're, they're like, oh, Milton's dead. She's like, there's someone here named Milton this whole time? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, that I was think I would funny. know. 
Colin, it's yeah. so watched this multiple times. Or Joe, do you know? It was Milton there the whole time, and I just didn't notice. Oh, of course. Well, you see him yeah, yeah, his shotgun and Flag like, pulls it away from him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Um, Colin, you brought up comic book writing. Like, this feels... It might be the best comic book movie in a very long oh, time. Oh, please elaborate. Like, it feels the most like a comic book. Um, the creative, like, interludes where it's, like, literally, like, hey... This issue is about Harley, so we're cutting back to it. The Harley subplot in the middle of this is just a Harley annual that happens in the middle of a big Suicide Squad arc. I like that. Um, But like, you know, an issue of the Suicide Squad called Dirty Little Secrets, which is the explanation of why they've been doing the thing they do. And then a fight breaks out between two of the members like that. Yes. That that is a comic book. Like it is broken up like a comic book chapter titles you know there's, oh, yeah. there's on set graphics and james gunn realizes you know the the frame of a comic book that tiny square looking so much like our celluloid frame that he's filming up in a movie you just go what would be the point of setting this in reality if i can draw anything in a comic book frame why can't i pan up from rat catcher and just have the rest of the frame be filled in with a flashback why why yeah. wouldn't that make sense right it's it's really a shame no one else has done this before because yes. to me that's the blueprint of what a comic book movie should look like and it's kind of what ang lee tried to do yes. all Joe, the way back in so the early true. 2000s wow. Um, but Hulk this just so works much so like much that. more successfully. Joe, that is the best way to describe the structure. You're right, because those chapter breaks, like the first issue of this thing would be the first group getting ghosted and then introducing the second group and being like, okay, right. issue two is coming out you know, next week. Like that, yeah, that that's is exactly perfect. what it is. And I do like totally. how you know it kind of cuts around chronologically in time and yeah, it's separated by the chapters. Uh yeah, and I think, you know, the, the 2016 movie tried to do, be comic booky, but it was uh, too, it was very over the top where it was, you know, kind of recut by Trailer Park, which is like a, you know, production company that makes yes, trailers. Notoriously. And so they just added a bunch of like music needle drops in and like crazy titles and with like, you know, have a character introduction that would give all this information that would just kind of really flash by super quick. Stylized. Yeah. And so I'm glad this it's, movie didn't do that. Um, and instead it did this kind of like chapters and different, uh, you know, moving around in time. Well, since you brought up needle drop, like James Gunn's soundtracks are obviously such a huge part of, you know, his, his mythos is his authorship in, in his movies. Um, I want to know how you guys felt about the soundtrack because I was prepared after the first like 45 minutes. Like I had a tweet drafted up where I was like, Suicide Squad soundtrack better than both volumes of Guardian of the Galaxy. Wow. Uh, and then, like, it just didn't hold up for me, but it starts so fucking strong. How did, what did you guys think of yeah. the soundtrack? I wouldn't say it's it's not as good as the Guardians one for me. Um, I knock it down a little because this is, you know, basically maybe a coincidence, but I literally saw two movies in a row that had the same Pixies song in it, and this was one of them. <laughs> oh, is that true? Yeah, <laughs> it was... Uh, the Fear Street trilogy, right? I was watching yes. those movies. Oh, and that you're Pixie right. song, it's the same Pixie song. So I was like, okay, so that's just a total <laughs> coincidence. You know, that's not going to be everyone's experience, but uh, kind of random. But overall, I did like his music selection. Yeah. Yeah. You know, going through, I pull music from the soundtrack, for, you know, for, for the episodes, at least the audio version. YouTube, we get claims. So we do some scenes. But like the soundtrack did slap really early on. And I definitely put it above Guardians 2. 
but slightly below Guardians 1. Um, yeah. But it's it's really good. And I watched, like, reviews of the original Suicide Squad, and they showed, like, there's, like, six needle drops in the first seven yes. minutes, and they showed oh, which songs Mike. they were. And it's... The way the song choices here fit thematically seems, like, so much better than the 2016. Totally. From when it's I almost like the 2016... Wholesome snap. Yeah. It's almost like the 2016, they were trying to do a James Gunn thing. They're like, okay, we're going to do, like, Guardians oh, of the yeah. Galaxy. We're going to have cool music. Yeah. With but they picked all the most on-the-nose uh, choices, and then they're on, you know, they play, like, 10 seconds of a song for, like, a character introduction. Yeah. They move on to the next thing. It was just... You, it was like it was edited by a trailer company because it felt like a trailer Ooh, constantly. Imagine that. Yeah. Because it was. I mean, that's what happens. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Look, this soundtrack was a lot sparser. You could feel him being a little more reserved and this is what everybody expects from me. I'm not going to do it. Production-wise, I want to point out something to you guys. The boldness in the writing to have Harley start talking, I ain't got nobody. And then just to know, I'm James Gunn. WB's going to be able to clear that for me. I'm very well-liked and make very big movies. Obviously, they're going to be able to get that song for it. That's right. genius. I wouldn't have the boldness to do that. It, it wouldn't make sense. You don't write directly into the script like that. He can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think, like, with Guardians, you're never going to be able to one-up the music in that because there was a thematic no. element to it. It was the music that Part Star-Lord would play on his cassette player, so it was like had a specific meaning. But overall, James Gunn is, is really good at picking the music for his movies. I think James Gunn and Edgar Wright, I think, are two of the best at knowing. And, you know, maybe Tarantino, people give him some credit. He has he sure. picks some slappers every once in a while, but I totally. think Edgar Wright and James Gunn are, yeah, they know what they're doing. But when well, you don't, you end up like Trailer Park. <laughs> Well, yes. I want to go off what you just said, Mike, because I think James Gunn is reaching the territory now of Tarantino, where he can plot out Mm. these scripts, just write this dialogue, know that it's all a home run, know that it all works. Just a quick dialogue workshop I want to do with you guys. You know, sometimes I'll text you, I'll text you things that like, wow, you know, here's why WandaVision's so good. Here's how smart it is. Normies, if you haven't seen this movie, check it out. It's if it's very creatively exciting. Again, just to see a guy at the top of his form. But we have seen him evolve into this Tarantino status. Again, he's a guy who came from Slither and writing, you know, Tromeo and Juliet for the Troma Company. Right. And now he writes an interesting scene like uh, uh, once they leave the club. Okay, there's there's that ramshackle where Polka Dot. And Ratcatcher 2 have to take the thinker, a character we haven't talked about yet, we'll get to him in a minute, out to the van, okay? Any other screenwriter on the planet would just do, you come with me. No. Okay, well, you are. Shove him into the van, they take off. Let's examine that scene. Ratcatcher, before they disappear, showcases what a dangerous threat she is. She uses her one individual rat to, like, go up inside the mouth of the guard that's about to attack them. They sidestep away. The thinker says, what an interesting device you have to control animals. I'm working on something like that with humans. Okay, we are setting up the plot for the thinker, for the rest of the crew. Okay, we know as the viewers that's something he's working on. Now they do too. We're setting up the expectations of how they're going to react when they see this. Ratcatcher, we know how she's going to react because she reacts poorly to this. Shut up. Do you want five rats to go up your asshole? The thinker leans in, smiles sweetly and says... You know, darling, my answer might surprise you. That is amazing dialogue. It moves the plot forward. Mm-hmm. It gives you character on both of those people. 
And later when Ratcatcher sees what he's been experimenting on, we get it. We're with her as the audience to go, this is a menace. This is what a real villain looks like. And I just, right. you know, I just, I just cannot praise it enough, guys. He's, the things that he's doing, you just, you, we're watching a guy who wrote Scooby-Doo for us as children reach the level now where he's like, am I a, am I a guru? Am I a master at this craft? Right. And it's interesting, you know, Scooby-Doo was like the first mainstream thing that he did to try to be like, yeah, I can do mainstream stuff. And, you know, looking back, like, I don't, it didn't have a great reputation when it came out. But I think looking back, those movies really hold up on a level that, you know, I wouldn't expect them to. And you can see the, you know, what he could become just from that. I mean, we've talked about it in previous episodes, like the day, you know, the Dawn of the Dead remake, Scooby-Doo, like... He was cleaning up and writing major scripts before he had that uh, that rise to the director that we've seen. Yeah, and the general competence as a writer really shows through with just basic things you want in a movie, like setups and callbacks stuff in the first act coming back for the finale character beats like colin said using dialogue not just as exposition but to move story and character forward like that's all stuff that you need to have a competence as a writer and sadly too many times in current hollywood right like you don't get that like a script sometimes is just missing these elements and it's refreshing to have them in this. They sand it off, Mike. Yeah. They just go, you know, this is too interesting. We got to just round this off. But him, again, I just cannot emphasize enough to our listeners what a work of art it is to get, you know, $280 million, or I think it's $180 million for the budget, $100 million for advertising. Put on top of that COVID cost, that's $400 million. A blank check where those people are saying to you, Charles Roven has said this, the only note we gave him was, do whatever you want, this isn't a directive, but if Harley was in the movie, that would be cool. And you can tell that James Gunn does not take that as, oh, you motherfuckers, you're making me put Harley in this movie? Opposed to, oh, that's one of the action figures I get to play with? I didn't realize there was a Harley in this collection. That's dope, you know? Oh, she would really match well with uh, Polka Dot in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, and you know, some people might be upset about certain deaths. Obviously, uh, Rick Flagg, right, is killed. Heartbreaking. Um, but it's in service of the story, right? Because it's, it's Absolutely. The, the characters that remain kind of have, you know, obviously, uh, some growth, you know, Ratcatcher and, and, oh. uh, Let's, oh, let's, let's stay with let's stay with Rick, Jacob. Let's stay with Rick and we'll watch this growth. You can literally chart it. Okay. Starts on the mission, follows it perfectly meets the rebels, understands what they're doing, helps the rebels with that great conversation with Solsaria where he says, you know, when we're attacking Jotunheim, capital would be open. Seeing what America's become, realizing he can be the rebel. He can fight for freedom, not his country, what his country stands for. And that final line, I'm so happy we're getting the Peacemaker spinoff because the way John Cena reacts to that final line when Rick Flagg is killed and he looks at him and says, Peacemaker, what a joke. John Cena is fucking devastated. You can tell he hates having the ideals that he has. He hates that he would kill men, women, and children for peace. But he has to. 
It's something he has to do because he's not Rick Flag. Yeah, right. And well, Rick Flag is a lot like Captain America in this movie. Where Captain America, if you didn't know about the character, you might think, oh, he's just going to do whatever America wants him to do. Um, but that's the whole point of like Civil War is that he's not going to do whatever he's going to do what he thinks the American ideal he stands be. for the ideal beyond what the institution dictates. Right. And right. John Cena does the opposite. He's the government lapdog. You know, he's kind of like the sleeper agent for, you know, the squad. Like he's there specifically to ensure that the data gets destroyed that links the U.S. Right. to it. And yeah, when uh, Flag gets killed, I was that's for me. That's the most shocking death of the movie. Most, yes. most painful for sure. Like, cause I didn't care about this character at all, but by the end he did have like a heart and this moral compass and John Cena had become so, such a shit heel, right? Mike, he's a white guy with a gun and here's how successful this movie is. There's almost a mini arc when our three normal non-powered gun guys get out of that tumbled car and walk out where you go, oh my God. I've never been more on the side of these three dudes for no reason. It's like the Sly Stallone movie that yeah. when they have to go up against each other at the end, it's fucking devastating. Yeah. And they've done a good job of establishing how capable John Cena is too. like establishing him as a threat, you know, like with those earlier scenes, comedic or not. It's like, yeah, he was making jokes earlier about starfish and buttholes, but he'll tear you up. But dude. he's the one who suggests that they get drinks. You know, he's the one who who is plotting things when they're going up into the tower. Mm -hmm. There's so much stuff in the background where you just feel like he is just the mastermind almost. Crazy. Yeah, this is something I will definitely watch again. Maybe we should, yeah, go about other shocking, painful deaths in this because there's many. I think we're at that point. The window's wide open. Joe, any of these other ones, what stands out? Uh, I mean, I mean, Rick Flag is the biggest, right? Because that's that's the consistent in the Suicide Squad. Rick Flag is is the caretaker of a bunch of lunatics, and those lunatics are the ones that are expendable, not Rick oh, Flag. Wow. Um, right. So, like having him killed, masterful. You know what I mean? Like, Colin, at the end of this, I want to have a who do you think should replace Rick Flag in Suicide oh, Squad? Uh, so, so keep that in the back of your head and we can, we can touch it at the yeah. end. Well, um, Katana, she's got his back, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, there right. you go. Well, um, but I, Polka Dot Man, I thought, was in the clear and then, um, and then bit it. I thought that was a good one. Oh, really? I thought, no, I thought he was going to die ever since I saw the trailer when he has that line where he's like, I'm a superhero. I thought, oh, what if he dies right after he says that? You thought that? Wow, you should have bet on it in Vegas. When I watched the trailer, yeah. <laughs> I predict stuff. Pokemon Man, yeah, that was really rough for me too because I really, that character really grew on me. He's like a real um, pessimist, right? And I love the way the thing with his mom paid off at the end with Starro, where you have a 50 foot mother inspiring him to shoot the polka dots. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, I I wish, I think, I wish he would have survived though. I want him, I want more of him. Mm. Me too. Yeah, Rick Flagg was really surprising. Obviously, he's not. A villain like the other ones he's just working for the government and so for him to die he was probably the third most surprising character that could have died for me after harley quinn and Bloodsport, because i didn't think they were to kill either of them but harley quinn is now the only character that's made it through both movies alive mm, that's right that's right Harley has a moment, Jacob. She she doesn't know Polka Dot. She doesn't know King Shark. And she just met Bloodsport when he was coming to save her. Right. She is the one who calls out 
polka dot, don't blow up those bombs. You know, she dives, she protects him. Yeah. She has no idea what his powers are. She's never met this man before. She jumps onto King Shark to get the sucker fish off of him. Those little whatever those yeah. are from killing him. Yeah, what was then, that all about? <laughs> right. I have no idea. Then Bloodsport is falling out of Jotunheim and he says, can anyone help? Harley leaps out, saves him, pulls him up, and she saves the day. It's it's just like it's yeah. incredible. With well, as you said, Javelin. she's kind of become a <laughs> right. She's become sort of an antihero in recent years in the comics. Um, would you say she's had an arc kind of through her trilogy of movies from Suicide Squad, Birds of Prey to the Suicide Squad, where she's gone from you know chaotic chaotic evil or chaotic neutral to maybe chaotic good now. Yes, right? could be making that transition here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'll, you know, I'll say chaotic death. Then I'll I'll give a funny one and say when she shot the guy she was marrying. I didn't expect that. You know, he just oh, turns yeah, around. I jumped, one. and she goes, "Oh, there was a bullet in this." She didn't even realize. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is so good. Right. Yeah, that whole scene. She's yeah, just and, broken and up her with action the Joker scene. Thing. I, I, there's any red flags? Her, but anyway, sorry, Jacob. Her action scene. Uh, you know, I, I talked about the steeliness. You know, the attempt of these '80s action movies. She's the only one who gets it. Because here's the thing. When Idris Elba is shooting a gun and stuff, he's inherently compelling because he's a great actor. Arnold Schwarzenegger was not a great actor. He almost would leave his body and just, you know, like look like completely blank <laughs> yeah. as he would shoot, you know, huge machine guns at you. Harley's the only one who pulls that off. Margot Robbie is such a good actor. She looks like she just disassociates from her body when she kills. Yeah. Right. And it's not even like she wants to wants to kill people she's like all right i'm just gonna kill all these people to get out of here and she does it almost kind of robotically but her just you know doing all that in that red dress you got like flowers Amazing. and butterflies coming up all over like that that was kind of a trippy Jacob, sequence I this is it. an r-rated movie where Harley Quinn has sex with a guy and then I see his testicles. Okay. <laughs> this is, and, and, and Joe, we, we're not allowed to talk about if Batman goes down on someone, but Harley yeah. Quinn's allowed to just like fuck as much as she fucking wants. Yeah. And shoot. And I mean, it, the Margot Robbie Harley Quinn is, I think the most marketable thing that DC has going for it right now. And you know, they'll tr if they're smart, they'll try to get her back as much as she, they can. Yeah. I don't know how many more the, movies the, she'll the, do. But. The issue we kind of touched on with Edris Elba too is like Birds of Prey again, pandemic movie didn't do what they wanted. Edris Elba's never been able to sell a whole movie. I love both of their performances. I like them both as actors. Like I want them to succeed and be leading actors. I just hope they get more opportunities because I think the performance of this should not be indicative of their ability to right. draw because there's a lot of, you know, extenuating factors well, still going on. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that because, you know, Take it's a box office. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's disappointing for sure because, you know, now we've, you know, this is kind of getting blamed. It's like, Oh, it's doing way less than the first movie, but okay. What do you expect when you can basically watch it for free? If you subscribe to HBO, not even to mention the pandemic, even if there wasn't a pandemic, um, the hybrid, I think the hybrid release has more to do with the box office, the disappointing box office, because who, like you said, we all saw it at home. I would go see this movie in theaters if that was the only option. So how can you even compare those numbers really? Yeah. I mean, the, the box office is an outdated measurement of success. It just doesn't right. make sense to have that Thank be you. your benchmark at this point. The, the social currency around 
the Suicide Squad is worth so much more than what they get at the box office. Mm. Like the way they right. measure success just absolutely needs to change. You know change. what, Joe? It's a dinosaur. But, yeah, let me follow up on that because the social currency, yeah. I never thought about that, but the idea of maybe it's like selling a PS5 at a loss. You sell the console at a loss, but then you make it up in software sales. You lose money at the box office on this movie, but it's so good that you get people to subscribe to your future con- for future content because they believe in what you can make is good. You, you get people to buy Bloodsport comics. You, you get True. people to buy a new Suicide Squad video game. Man rebooted. Action figures. Maybe. Maybe. All of but, that stuff. I mean, it's, 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 that's what makes it worth it. Hmm. You say that, and I want this movie to be a success. I want all that to happen. But, you know, all the, you know, analysis coming out has been, oh, this, this movie is a failure because of the box office. And I'm worried that, you know, Warner Brothers is going to be like, okay, I guess this was a failure. And I'm even worried about Dune now because Dune is getting the same oh, yeah. hybrid release. You know, the Dune movie is going to be the first half of the book. So they're kind of banking on it doing well so that it gets a part two. If it doesn't do well, it's not going to get a part two. And I'm really worried that's going to happen. Uh, so, you know, this whole hybrid release, as much as I appreciate the convenience of being able to watch it on HBO, I don't know. Because, like, if this is going to be considered a failure because of that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, it was number one this weekend, you know, the weekend of release. But it's like, it's just not good enough for them, right? Is that, you know? Right. No. So that's the that's Again, issue. how can you compare it? How You know, you've got the hybrid release. You've got pandemic. People don't want to go to theaters right now. Everything's kind of bombing. Uh, maybe, I guess, with the exception of Fast and the Furious, but uh, Black Widow after the, sec- after the first weekend kind of tanked. Um, All of those you know, did worse else? than 2016 Suicide Squad. Even Fast and the Furious, right. I don't think, is grossed you know, near that. So. Right. No. But they never will again. Like... That, the billion that dollar movie is needs dead. to be rewritten. But there's the no doubt this movie, movie is not dead. It's just not going to be. That shouldn't be the benchmark anymore. Mm. It just but if the only way to watch this movie, not even to mention you could watch it on HBO, you could also pirate this insanely easy because it's available digitally, right? right? So if it only came out in theaters, you know, it obviously would have done better, right? So, well, some people wouldn't know. have gone. Literally, some people would not I, have gone. I, yeah, man, I don't know if I'm ready to go back to a movie theater. Like, I've done other stuff, but, like, sitting in a room by choice with a bunch of strangers for two and a half hours, just looking forward, like, that's not, uh, you know, right, like, I've right. traveled out of necessity, but I don't want to be in an enclosed space with that many people for that long. Like, I'm I'm not there yet, so mm-hmm. as much as I yeah. wanted to see it, I probably wouldn't have gone to the theaters. I would have waited. But, Joe, what I'm saying... So if there was no pandemic and if it came out in theaters like all movies used to do two years ago, you would have gotten to see it in theaters, right? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So we all probably would have. So there you go. Yes. But to the other point, though, it's an R-rated sequel to a toxic brand with all new stars. That's it's such a hard sell on paper. I swear to God, all these film losers who are like. God, I wish there were cool original movies and, you know, I just wish there were ones where, like, anybody could die at any moment and do all this stuff. This is that movie, yeah, you fools. Yeah. This is that one that you've asked for. I wish they made action movies. Okay, this is one. I wish there, was, there were funny movies. Okay, this is a comedy. There are comedy right. stars in it. Falula Borg is in this movie as a character named Javelin, you fools. Watch mm-hmm. this. I guess and they're all too it was busy getting mad happen. at He-Man. Yeah, they're too busy being mad about <laughs> He-Man. <laughs> Oh, um, real quick, since you brought up Javelin again, I want to talk about the Mummy 2 clause, which is now my favorite thing about movies. <laughs> oh, please. Um, what? 
Okay, so you guys know how in The Mummy 2, uh, Edie's brother picks up, like, that spear, and he just carries it around the whole movie, but then it ends up being exactly the spear oh, they right. need to take no down way. the King. <laughs> I'm calling that, that the, the Mummy 2 clause, and I now think that all great movies have a Mummy 2 clause, like Javelin and Margot Robbie carrying it around, wow. which is like... So Obviously, good. she was going to use that at the end for Starro. So just like right. the mummy two claws of like, yep, that's that, that just thing check that you carry gun. around as a joke. The act one yes, thing. But the let's mummy talk about two that claws moment. is way more related. <laughs> let's and yeah, let's talk about Starro too. Please, yeah, Starro. Um, I've told you guys I've watched it six times now. I pause when Ratcatcher lifts up her light now, and then I fast forward to right when Harley gets out of it because I. I cannot see the eye stuff. I don't want to know about the eyeball stuff. Uh, I don't want to know if there's like just water inside mine, which is something oh. I've been wondering at night, but I don't, I don't want to know the answer. Right. Right. I, yeah. That was kind of, I didn't like that either, but uh, no. rat catcher in general, I never thought I would care about a character named rat catcher. Never knew about a character named rat catcher. Never thought, you know, uh, the second one, uh, the ability to control and summon rats would be an interesting ability, but Somehow yeah, it works. Super viable. Well, who are the who are the two most powerful people of the squad, Jacob? It's the two people that uh, uh, he calls hobbyists. John Cena at one point. It's Polka Dot Man and Ratcatcher. Yeah. All the others are trained right. assassins. Yeah, the most powerful. I right. do want to. Yeah, Polka Dot Man. His powers are so you know terrible. We barely even see them because they're so dangerous. Yeah, he could have almost probably right. defeated Starro if he didn't uh, get wrecked. Um, I do want to talk about Starro though. Not not the um, maybe armpit face guys, but. Famous villain from the comics, right? A little goofy to do. I think it's some of the best kaiju directing. Like, it feels very ground level. You know, it's a big Godzilla guy. I think the way they shot yeah. and filmed a lot of the Star stuff was really well done from, like, a ground level Gareth Edwards vibe. I think he did a great job with I that. I think yeah. about that, Mike. I thought it was so cool. cool. I mean, like, this to me is proof that we live in the most nihilist timeline. The fact that we have a Suicide Squad movie where they fight Starro, uh, which was the first big bad that the justice league got together to fight mm. um and not the justice league doing it it's just like proof that there are parallel yeah. timelines here yeah but what i li- and again oh go ahead yeah go ahead oh the, what i liked about the way starro moved like little things because he he doesn't have a true head or feet right so there's a moment where like he swipes the building with his hand and then that hand just becomes the foot and now this is his new upright position and it was just so right. fluid. Wheels, yeah. like a real starfish like, keep rolling man i'm starfish i love like the little stuff like that it was, it was really really well done and then he's got his little face hugger slaves that he can control oh, they're right? terrifying Amazing. um yeah and i just think it's great like again the real villain of this movie amanda waller her solution is just to let him ravage this country and if anything that'll be a benefit for america so right. why not absolutely then, once they get and the that's data when real heroes right yep and uh like we're not now cinema blend has an article jacob that says suicide squad a film with a third act with no villains and they give the entire you know approach that that is what's so cool about it you understand starro's struggle Star wants nothing. He just wants to be left alone. I have, it was I was a happy total looking accident. at the stars. <laughs> I was so happy sad. looking at the stars, yeah. Mike. Leave him alone. Mm-hmm. Let him out there. He used to be this big. He was a tiny boy. Just let him out. And you understand the Suicide Squad. They're they're villains, yes, of course, but they Being don't want to be there. They don't want to be doing any of this. They also want to get away. Again, it's so much the American imperialism, colonialism of hey, fuck you. We're here. 
you're ours now. We made a huge mistake. We apologize. Right. Goodbye and good luck with all of this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's true that, you know, American foreign policy, oftentimes you just, they, you know, the people in control just think of these small countries as like proxies where it's like, how does this, Playgrounds. you know, help America's cause? If not, then fuck off. We don't need you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And, you know, the movie kind of also becomes like this underdog story because of the su- nature of the Suicide Squad. These villains no one cares about. Literally the garbage of the comic book world. I mean, who cares? Waller's like exploiting their family to get him to do what she wants. The mission is not just, you know, and then you end up right. by the end cheering for the underdog, the ultimate underdog probably being, you know, Ratcatcher 2 and Polka Dot Man because they don't fit in, you know, and just trying to do the right thing, which is go against, you know, Amanda Waller. You know, right. it, it's and that's the moment that they become actual heroes. Yeah, yeah, and with a smaller bullet. Call back to the beginning, the Mummy Two Clause. Right. The one thing I thought, the you know, mummy a little there was a little weak, and I don't know how I would make it better. But obviously, if you have exploding chips in your brain, it's kind of a hard corner to write yourself out of if you want them to rebel against Mand Waller. So what they do in this is her staff like knocks her out and then it's like, all right, you can do it. But in the last movie, she killed like a whole bunch of people just for like seeing the wrong thing or whatever. So I thought it was interesting that nothing happened to those staff members, but yeah, I guess she you should have wipe to, them out. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you got to get out of that corner somehow. Or so you get the mind fuse guy to hey, fix these chips real quick. Right. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, my biggest, um, my biggest thing I wish was different about the movie is I wish the Suicide Squad lost. Like, I wish that they didn't even fight Starro, that they turned around to rebel and the Justice League was, like, in the background fighting it. And oh, then Waller's cool. like, all right, get back in the ship. Like, oh, wow. You know what I mean? Like, I wish there was just like, nope, you guys go back to jail. You didn't even win. You know what I mean? Like, which well, is like is, uh, nihilistic or whatever, but... Yeah. Joe, I see all these people saying, is this a missed opportunity? Would you have liked to see Mongal or someone pop up at the end like they had been, you know, starfished and, and have to go up against them? Mm. I don't care about that. Yeah. We see yeah. Weasel at the end and he's he's just alive. The big surprise, yeah, you think Weasel funny. drowns. Like, did anyone check if a Weasel knows how to swim first thing? Like, that was a yeah. nice bit, but he, he survives it. You know, he's going to go kill some children in the forest, I guess. This is M.O. Um... Yeah. And overall, you know, again, I think it nails the tone of the Suicide Squad in the comics and the animated movies where characters do die and can die at any time. And that's something that the first one just didn't get. Um, And so overall, good job. It was good. Yeah. And that, you know, thumbs up. Yeah, let's do it. I think we've completed our mission. Starfish is tragically dead. He just wanted to live on. Uh, so we'll let you normies live on as we get to our final thoughts on the Suicide Squad right after this. Mike, I keep flipping your switch. It's not working. We're back. Uh, we're talking Suicide Squad. We're about to leave Corto Maltese because we are giving our final thoughts here. Uh, and I will say that one of my final thoughts does involve that uh, 
you know, it is a credit to James Gunn that he can even think up something so political like that, write something so true. It was shot in Panama. Obviously, it's sort of like a Cuba pastiche or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the comedy, if you're paying attention, the salad of ribbons that these generals just oh, give man, each other. Yeah. And at one point, Mike, you see that uh, the major general is an eight-star general. Just something that just is <laughs> completely absurd. Yeah, it's like five I like the, uh, the thinker when he's talking about like, Oh, I, you know, I've been working on this for 30 years of my life, and now just a normal, ordinary coup is going to be like the end of all that. <laughs> yeah, run, run of the mill coup. coup. <laughs> yeah. yeah, run of the mill coup. Yeah, uh, any, there's, it is. There's just some comedy to this, man. Any last standout moments before we do final thoughts? Like, just one thing I want to mention I love, like, some of the action beats with, like, Edris Elba falling through the building as the floors collapse on one another. Yeah, very brilliant. cool. And I like the way James Gunn is able to kind of do these action poses almost like like a keyframe of a comic like king shark ripping oh, yeah. the guy in half splash pages mike splash i mean that's page, what the that's rain it. is yeah, yeah i, I yeah, think some of that imagery was really absolutely. cool yeah i like totally this i hope becomes the blueprint for how you make a comic book movie um you know like maybe one of the reasons i was a little lukewarm on it is because i was so jealous that it's like we get this movie with the suicide squad we haven't gotten this movie with any other characters that I would love to see it with. Just the, the way he paints a picture on the screen is a masterclass in both filmmaking and like comic book writing. Um, so yeah, final thoughts. I liked it. I, I hope we see more like it. I hope people shamelessly rip it off because it deserves yes. it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Red Hood, Colin, that's my answer. If you, you oh, interesting. Red flag would be very cool. Yeah, if you just kind of get a gun guy. Yeah, put red, put red. Are they doing in there, red hood in the in, Titans um, show now? That doesn't matter. Yeah, that's, that doesn't throw that away, yeah, you that's, fool. that's a different universe. Yeah, Jacob, do you remember the Thinker? Is that when you bowed out of Flash? Or did you watch oh, that? Oh, that's season? right. Yeah, yeah. He's like the smartest man in the world. Yeah, um, <laughs> he like thinks real good. Yeah, the Imagine world's that. fastest man versus the world's fastest mind. That's the cool. And I like the flashback sure. where you only see a couple in his head. Yeah, <laughs> um, we didn't really yeah. talk about Peter Capaldi that much. He he's Doctor he's amazing. Who. Obviously, you know the comeuppance he gets. It's you know to touch on the Starro stuff a little more. That's the Slither. You know Starro. Oh yeah. Joe said is a is a Justice League villain. When Starro's spores get on you, you you plop it off and the day is saved. There's none of that in this. If Starro gets on you, you're you're just your face oh, is gone for the rest of your life. You're horrifically <laughs> yeah, scarred just, forever. You're, Jesus yeah. Christ. Like it is just he just and you know there's not a lot of Starro in this movie. But he looms. His present looms. We we see the footage. You know, he's constantly referred to. It's just, it's such just an interesting take, guys. Yeah. Um, totally. Before I, I do my final thoughts, we've all been saying how much we love Ratcatcher 2 and how great the needle drops are. You know, she saves the day. Rats versus stars. You know, rats for the win. Um, as a, a nerd and a, a fan of, you know, Japanese cinema and stuff, uh, there's a Japanese punk rock band called the Blue Hearts, and the karaoke anthem of Japan, let's say the Bohemian Rhapsody of Japan, it's called Linda Linda. But the lyrics for the song are, like a rat, I want to be beautiful, because there's a beauty that cannot be captured in pictures. Uh, and I'm like, if you would have dropped that uh, needle drop, 
uh, James Gunn forever. But um, <laughs> that's my anecdote of the perfect wow. song that wasn't in this film. Uh, and then my final thoughts are, yeah, James Gunn done did it. Um, had a lot of heart and, um, you know, a lot like Guardians, you know, like I think the most I was more sad when Yondu died in Guardians 2. And I was more sad when Rick Flagg died in this than I was when Tony Stark died in Endgame. So I'll just wow. kind of leave it sure. at that. Well, speaking of Ratcatcher, uh, we mentioned Ratcatcher 1 cameo earlier, Taika Waititi, right? Everyone's favorite. And those guys are just having a blast. The two Marvel golden boys doing whatever they yeah, want. Yeah, man. So true. <laughs> Go man. get it. Man. Uh, but yeah, for me, you know, I like it. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. I wouldn't say it's like, uh, maybe I'm not as high on it as the three of you, but I did really like it. Uh you know, if you compare it to all the other DC movies, I mean, it's pretty much top, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's not bad. So, so. <laughs> yeah, and everything it's you were saying, Joe, I really like. hope <laughs> that you know it does become influential because, like I said, with the box office being disappointing, I just hope that more people. I hope that word of mouth is good that more people go see it. And well, yeah, let's let's jump on that train just real quick, Jacob. I, I want I want to ask you. I want to ask all three of you, but I'll ask you first. What do you want from James Gunn next? Do you want more DC? Obviously, he's got Guardians 3 coming up. Now, he also had this little stint where, as a writer, he would put his stamp on something. He had that um, super bright burn, you know, that Superman movie. Oh, he had yeah. that um, had people super kill each other the, movie. Uh, from the office. The Belko yeah, experiment, he was just like if you guys EPing remember that, too. Yeah. But writing, you know, I, you know, mm-hmm. would you like to see him do an original idea like that? Obviously, he's got the Peacemaker show coming up. Well, the Belko experiments, a battle royale, you know, a rip off and Suicide Squad. Is, so it's like almost a test run to do that kind of story. It's like eating that, overseeing yeah. that. I think it would be cool to see him do kind of a more original grindhousey type thing like Slither. Um, that Ooh, would be cool. But roots. really, yeah, anything that he wants to do is probably I'm a. I mean, like, he's one of those directors now that if they're attached to a project, then I'm interested in it, and, you know, I'm not going to question it, so. Jacob, I'll do you one better. He's one of those directors, and I can only think of one other person, John Ford, who is making the most popular type of movie at the time those are popular. You know what I mean? He's the comic book king in the way John Ford was the Western king. Hmm. Quentin Tarantino inspired a big genre people ripped him off he didn't live in that genre forever he likes to experiment and play a little more Mm -hmm. james gunn is just i mean it's just like i don't know where he goes from here i don't know if i want to see a suicide squad 3 i don't know if i want to see him do a harley quinn movie i don't know if i want to see him do an original movie because i feel like this is so much his original big big crazy movie i might just want to see him do those weird belco where he just throws a script out into the ether well, I again, mean, I, I Colin, think the, yeah, you kind of hit it to me. Like, I don't care what he does next because it'll be a James Gunn thing and I'll see it. You know what I mean? Like, right. I don't really care whether it's DC Marvel or something original because a James Gunn movie feels more like a James Gunn movie than a DC movie or a Marvel movie or, or totally. whatever. So, yeah, yeah. And right. Marvel has suffered from kind of that. It's all people say it kind of has a vanilla flavor now. Right. You know? Yeah. This feels like somebody's vision, right? So when James Gunn brings that to his projects, that's what I like. Right. But again, I think James Gunn kind of defined the second wave of Marvel. Like Mar- like the, the Iron Man 
2008 era of Marvel is very different from the post Guardians era of Marvel, right? Just the the feel of it. And so he his original vision kind of inspired them, but now it's become more that's like the house style, right? The status quo. Um, yeah. But I think James Gunn could do anything. I think the future of the Suicide Squad movies, like I said, I would be making like one of these a year because I think you could just have all kinds of, you got such a big rogues gallery, uh, you know, characters that we haven't seen on the big screen very much. You know, you got Batman characters that we haven't seen since the nineties, like the Riddler. I know he's going to be in the next, the Batman movie, but I'm just saying like, there's so many DC characters you can mine. but let me say directors too, Jacob. You know, who would you want to see that? Everybody goes, David Leitch, you know, the the John Wick guys, you have to get mm. them in. Let me let me throw you a different one. Great with ensembles, great with, you know, dark crime, gritty stuff. Catherine Bigelow. Put fucking mm. Catherine Bigelow in there. She she kills it with big groups of people. You'd have sure. Anthony Mackie as like psycho pirate joe and it would be like you know like what the fuck is this uh, right no I'm, I'm going the opposite way give me uh lord miller with uh, the creeper as one of the main characters you're going comedy and cool i'm digging right. that that sounds fucking i'm gonna awesome. stick to my needle drop director and say edgar Wright. get edgar Wright over here he got screwed out of ant-man and then I don't know if Black Mask is dead in Harley Quinn or not, but get just get Ewan McGregor back. <laughs> do a, but do yeah, a heist yeah. movie, Mike. Yeah. You know that's his wheelhouse. Do something like that. The squad can go up against any threat. It doesn't have to be an operative in a jungle country. It can be the moon. You know, it can be right. weird. Yeah. So and again, I say give I think, it to a different director every time, though. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. No, I'm totally down with that. And I think Warner Brothers in DC, they did all the right things. Like they saw, like they're like oh, this is our opportunity to grab James Gunn and make this movie. This movie should be a huge hit, and I'm just disappointed that it's not, you know, as big as a hit as it should be. So I just hope that it has good word of mouth. Maybe they've learned, right? Because with this Snyder cut and the the Whedon cut and the air cut, like they've messed with somebody's vision of something, right? right? And it didn't work out. So now they're like, let's go hands off. Sometimes it's better than others, you know, with like Wonder Woman 2 being so, so I didn't like it as much as some of you guys. Right. But, but it's it, like they're letting people do their shit. Yes. And I'm good. I'm glad. I just hope that they don't give up on that because yes. of some disappointing pandemic era box office numbers that it's like. And the value you know, is kind of hidden, really as expect? Joe was saying. I think there's more value yeah. in that. Yeah. Totally. You I think if you ask anyone, what makes these things a success, man? Like the box office is a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can say, you know, 2016 made more money at the box office. But if you ask any person, like 99 out of 100 people who have seen both movies, they're going to say this one is better, right? I can't imagine a person who <laughs> would Jade, say Jaden Smith King would Shark. say this one's worse. <laughs> King Shark preferred the original. Yeah, Jaden Smith. It's, it's the, the person wearing a hashtag release the IR cut is the only person who's going to be on that. <laughs> David Ayer. So it's basically, yeah. yeah. He seems like he's he's all for it. He loves the James Gunn version. He was like, hey. Yeah, he hates the cut of the movie that they got. It's just, um, you know, he didn't have as much backing as Snyder did for the Snyder cut. But, you know, I don't I don't hate David Ayer. I think he's good at his kind of movie. I just think that, you know, even his original cut probably wouldn't have been as good as this, but it would have been no. better than what we got. Jacob, at the end of the day, a woman named June Moon says the words enchantress to turn into an enchantress. And that's just, there's just nothing. There's just yeah, nothing there's there. There's major problems with the plot in that. I didn't like the enchantress bit. Like, nah. But this one, yeah. It's good. I loved it. 
Yeah, I recommend I stream it. I, you don't have to go to the theater, but I recommend watch it. You can watch it up to six times if you want. That's what Colin did. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be watching it, you know, again. You know, I, I did enjoy it. So good job. For number 10, I'm going to the theater. So you'll see me there, Normies. Try and find us. But if you want to find us somewhere else, as I put on my peacemaker toilet seat helmet here, um, <laughs> you can always look up ad normies underscore like underscore us and say, I am so excited for the Pissmaker series or, <laughs> you know, uh, hashtag Sebastian the Rat is life goals oh, or, yeah. you know, um, anything. We'll, we'll, we'll chat you up there. Or yeah. if you want to recommend a, a topic, we'll cover that too. We love to do that, but we've got some really cool new releases coming up as well. So again, check us out. At Normies also, underscore like underscore us. Check us out on YouTube. Hell yeah. Uh, you know, at Normies Like Us. Just search it. Uh, and I didn't even know they were making a Peacemaker maker series, so I'm excited about that. Would you watch that post-cred? Uh, There's a post-cred mm, scene. Maybe. Okay. Wait, did you not? This <laughs> is a reveal for the end of the episode. <laughs> wow. No, I guess I didn't. I don't know. I guess oh, I'll go okay. back and rewatch it. Yeah. Normies, check it out. <laughs> yeah, we've been your hosts. This is Colin Shark. This is Polka Dot Man's mom. Uh, uh, Javelin Joe. Jacob, do you remember the name? This is. Do you remember uh, the name from the beginning no, of the I'm episode? To, it was po- <laughs> Polka Dot Cobb. That's exactly yeah. right. Was it? Was that it? Claws. <laughs> Points for trying. Bye. This is Javelin Jacob. No. <laughs> you, that's what I just said. Hey, is this thing a dog? <laughs> they all fuck with werewolves. I'm not familiar with all the different breeds. I don't know. Can it be an over there wolf? That would have been my <laughs> joke. You, I'm stopping. My name is Optimus Prime, leader of the Autobots. If you don't like, share, subscribe, or visit our YouTube, remember, I will kill you.